Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. We are excited to be here this morning. Uh, this is just Antoine and we are on our uh, day 30. Let's get growing, man. And God has been faithful. Um, and we just thank him for all that he's doing in, in our lives and, and how he's just uh, giving manifold blessings, just manifold blessings. You know, we don't even realize how much God blesses us, but he he constantly looks over us. He constantly watches us. We don't know the snow, um, the dangerous um, streets as we go through and all types of things could happen. But God stays the hand of the enemy and allows us to pass, you know. And, and so we think that sometimes it's because we drive so good or we we protect ourselves. We don't go certain places and this, that, and the other. It, that doesn't really, it, it has an uh, effect on it, but really bad things happen everywhere, you know? And so we, we just, we're not um, exempt for from it. Right. But he protects us for so much, so much. And I, I thank him for it. I thank him for it. You know, um, the scripture that I've been meditating on this morning, it says that I have not seen, neither ear has heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. He says, but I'm re he's revealing it by his spirit for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And so I just believe that God has some good things in store for me. And I believe he has some good things in store for you. And so we have to just continue to trust in him. And he said, if we trust in him, he we will in no wise be made ashamed. And that's a big and lofty thing that God says, you know, and I, I just believe it. I'm just crazy enough to believe and take him at his word. You know what? I don't have nothing else. If you take his word away from me, what do I have? I don't have anything else. And so I depend heavily on his word. I was telling my, my partner, um, just yesterday that, you know, I leaned so heavily on the Lord. I, I, he is my rock. He is my shield. He's my buckler. He's everything that I need. And if you take him out of my equation, I am nothing. You know, I can do nothing. I can accomplish nothing. Matter of fact, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And I, I just believe that with all my heart, you know, and, you know, some people get that, um, that mindset, well, I pull myself up uh, by by my bootstraps or whatever, you know, uh, or, but but really you wouldn't be able to grasp your bootstraps if it wasn't from the divine assistance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, he is my delight. He is my strength. He is my comforter. He's everything that I need. And I, I really I'm really glad that um, I can share him with you guys. Uh, and on this live, you know, I don't I don't know who all watches this, you know, throughout the day or, you know, uh, I thank God for those that do come on on a consistent basis and those that share. I appreciate that. You know, you don't it doesn't go unnoticed. God sees it 
and he he rewards accordingly. And so we thank God for that. So I'm going to encourage you to stay evangelistic, right? And uh, continue to share and, and continue to like and continue to, um, you know, apply this information to your life. And because, you know, you can't you can't stay in a rainstorm and not get wet, right? You're going to have to get wet. So uh, you you continue to posi- position yourself to uh, receive greatness from the Lord. And I, I thank God for that. And and that's what I'm determined to do. I, I'm determined to see um, this through the end. You know, uh, uh, Brother Bobby, what's up, man? Darren, good morning. Uh, I, I'm determined to see this thing to the end. You know, uh, David put it this way. He says, uh, I would have fainted, <laughs> except I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I believe God has some good things in store in this land for me, you know, and I, I, I appreciate what he's doing. And um, my expectation, my expectation is is really high. It's 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 off the Richter scale, hallelujah. And if you see my vision, um, you probably say, yeah, bro, you you pretty out there. <laughs> but I, I, I serve a big God. I serve an awesome God. And 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 so I, I just, you know, you know, uh, I, I named um, the production studio Drop in the Bucket uh, production um, company. And so. Um, you know, he says in his word that a nation is just a drop in a bucket. And I believe that God will give me the nation, you know, um, and I'm talking about America. Yeah, he's going to give me America in some form or some fashion. And I don't know how all that's going to play out, but I, I've got some glimpse. <laughs> he's he's giving me some hope that he's going to bring that to pass for me. And so um, I, I leave with expectation. I, I, I move with expectation. I, I I thrive on that hope, you know, um, uh, uh, a very popular minister, he said, keep hope alive, you know, and, and I believe that you have to keep hope alive. And so um, this is Let's Get Growing. I'm just Antoine once again, and um, we are on day 30, and we've been going through the quest for authentic manhood, which is um, from uh, men's fraternity. Um the uh, 33, the series is the title of uh, the, the lesson. And uh, we have our manual and I encourage you to go ahead and get your manual as well. Um, so uh, you you can st- uh, go along with it. Like I was saying on yesterday, I'm excited to go through this thing. Um, not just today. I mean, in this time, but I'm I'm looking I'm looking to go through it as well. Um, uh, again, I want to do it again, and I want I want more men involved. I want I want people uh, really taking this serious. Um, but you know, sometimes you have to get out, get off the launching pad, right, and, and, and get it started and get it going. Because uh, what what are you waiting on? You know, I don't I don't want to wait. I, I, I'm anticipating. So if I'm anticipating, I need to move towards what I'm anticipating. Right. I need to go. You know, some of y'all are sitting on your hands and you're sitting on your talents and are not allowing God to see um, to use your talents. You're, you're hiding it. You're 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 burying it. And God wants to use 
your talents. Good morning, Brother Tyson. Um, and, and so God wants to use your talents. And um, I'm telling you, this is where it's at. God is wanting to do some exceptional things in your life. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm expecting. I mean, it's just it's just good, brothers. It's good to to know the Lord. It's good to um, trust Him. It's it's good to know what's in the Bible and what the Bible says that He'll do for you if you place your trust in Him and if you lean on Him. And so we're we're grateful for that. So uh, we're in volume two excuse me, we're in volume six, session two, and I'm going to go ahead and cue that in for you this morning. Hallelujah. Hey, cuz, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, Latanya, praise God. Let's go. Welcome to session two of A Man and His Fatherhood. In this session, we're going to focus on what we believe is the most powerful idea in the history of the world. It's something that has transformed the lives of millions and can incredibly impact you and everything about your fatherhood. We are talking about grace. Grace is the idea of receiving free and unmerited favor. It's something we can receive from God or even from another person. It's when someone passionately loves us and is there for us, even when we don't deserve it, even when we've hurt them or rejected them. When you receive and experience that kind of love, it's incredible and transformative. Now, grace is not something we easily comprehend. It's easy to understand justice. It's easy to understand payback. It's easy to understand someone getting what they deserve. But as for free and unmerited favor, that's not how most of us naturally think about things, including how we think about our role as dad. Grace plays a vital role in our relationships with our kids. In fact, it needs to be the foundation of our parenting. In today's session, we're going to hear from Dr. Tim Kimmel. Tim is the founder and executive director of Family Matters, an organization whose goal is to see families transformed by God's grace. He speaks about the incredible power of grace at conferences across the country. And he's the author of many books, including Grace-Based Parenting. Today, he's going to talk to us about why grace should be at the core of our fatherhood. You know, few things hit closer to home than our role as a dad. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a role that when we, when we finally look at that little baby in our arms or our wife is holding them or, 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 or we adopt this wonderful child, we realize I have been given a responsibility. Yes, we've been given a sacred trust is what we've been given. And I want to talk to you about how to bring the best out of this opportunity and how to enjoy it along the way and how to tap into all you need to really touch this kid in a way that makes a huge difference. Now, so I want to give you, just right at the outset, kind of a, an overarching statement about what our job is. I think the job of a dad is to connect to the heart of your child in such a way that it makes it easier 
for them to connect to the heart of God. Let me say that again. The, heart, the job of a dad is to connect to the heart of your child in such a way it makes it easier for them to connect to the heart of God. So that all that food, clothing, shelter thing, those are B priorities. The big priority is heart connection. And our heart connection to our kids is highly influenced by the heart connection we maintain with Jesus. And you just got to know from for everything I'm, I'm talking about here has to do with you and your relationship with God. Everything comes back from there. Now, now you say, but, but Tim, look, I am really inadequate when it comes to this whole this spiritual stuff with my kids. Listen, you do not have to have a, a, a degree in theology or be a biblical brainiac to adequately transfer a, a heart for Jesus to your kids. It all just comes back to where you lie with Jesus. And, and, and I, I, I understand why so many parents, when they feel outgunned and, and overwhelmed, and so they, they, they are inclined to want to subcontract or outsource all the spiritual heavy lifting to the professionals at church or whatever. It, it comes back to a lot of the, the two major ways that I see so many uh, dads configuring their uh, or looking at their job. I see a lot of fear-based parenting going on. I even see a lot of fear-based dads. And they say, well, look, I've never done this before. Maybe I didn't come from a, a, a very good uh, home of origin, so I didn't get a, a good role model on this. Um, there's, come on, Tim, there's, there's legitimate concerns out there. Uh, we have a contaminated culture. It's all, it's, it's all very uh, antagonistic to our values. I, 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 I agree with all that. But, but, Fear is, can, cannot be our starting point in our role as a dad, because if fear is where we're coming from, then everything, our whole plan is going to be based to accommodate our fear. But if we're trying to transfer a heart for God to our children, that's not going to work very well. Because, see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be the last person afraid of just about anything. And I mean it. The only thing we're supposed to be afraid of are the things God meant us to be afraid of. I'm afraid to cross a, 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 uh, a busy freeway on foot. He says, that's a good fear. Don't ever do that. You'll get killed. No, no th th there are legitimate fears out there, but there's so many things that we get so overwhelmed by, and, and, when, and we're letting them now control us. I love the nickname that Jesus gave himself in the book of Revelation. When he appeared to John to write out the, 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 the revelation, he said, write this down. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, that's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet that they were speaking in. It would be like saying, I'm the A and the Z. Here's what he was saying to John. Write this down. I'm the God who had the first word, and I'm the one who's going to have the last one. If you took all the pieces of advice in the Bible and put them all together, you know what God said more than anything else? He said, don't be afraid. So even though you don't feel you know what you're doing, you, you feel outgunned, you, you, you feel overwhelmed, Get in line. We all felt that on the front side of it, but we have a God that wants to come alongside of us and give us what we need to do this job well. Uh, it takes courage, doesn't it? My favorite definition of courage is from the late John, John Wayne. He says, courage is when you're scared to death, but you saddle up anyways. Man, I want to encourage you to saddle up for this job because this is a great job. And you know, a second type of parenting I see out there is performance-based parenting. And, 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 and this is might be the way you were raised, where you feel like my job is to get my kids to kind of really look the spiritual part and really look the, the Christian part. And, and it's like we're, we're, we're following around with a spiritual report card. 
and, and we're grading them all the time. Well, you got to understand, sin management and spiritual behavioral modification is, is not a fun home to grow up in if you're the kid. The, the kids always feel like they're falling short. I want to suggest something better, and it comes straight from the heart of God. It's what I call grace-based dads and grace-based parenting. Where did I get this from? Well, I was on a journey just like you were. When we, when we had our first child, my wife and I, we wanted, we wanted to do a good job on this. We'd never done it before. But as we were searching around for kind of an overarching theology or, or philosophy of parenting, we were surprised that most of the books we read came from a fear-based point of view or a performance-based point of view. But my wife is the brains of the operation. She says, well, but think about it, Tim. God's a parent. He's parenting us. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray our Father who art in heaven. Uh, the, parent, the parental metaphor is, the, is the, the primary metaphor used of God in, in, in the Bible. So we're his children. And she says, I wonder if we could study him and his role as a parent in our lives, in the Bible, and see if, there's, if we can get anything from that. And as soon as she said it, we found out that the plan for parenting was not hidden in some deep crevice in the Bible, sitting right there on the surface. And, and when we take and look at God's heart, the one word that defines how he's dealing with us is he's a God of grace. And, 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 and what we found is if we just bring his grace, let his grace come through our life and, and, and pour out into our kids, everything changes. It, it creates an atmosphere of grace that our kids can grow up in. So how do we have that culture of grace? I want to help you on that. Look what it says here in the scriptures. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So God has called us to, to basically bring his way of dealing with us to center stage on how we deal with our kids. I love this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So this whole plan for grace-based parenting, I can summarize it in one sentence. It's simply treating your kids the way God treats you. That's all it is. And, and, and our problem in the Christian life is we tend to limit God's grace to the work of salvation. And then we go on a performance basis from there. But he says, no, this, this grace that I brought to the cross, this grace that I, I poured out on the cross for you, this, this, this love I gave you to someone who didn't deserve it, I want this now to redefine you and wash through you and become the default mode of your life. And so if we wanted to treat our kids with grace, I, I want, one of the things we, we can do is, is set their hearts free, just like God does with us. I want, to, I want to show you four things straight from God's heart, four things that he does with us. that If we turn around and do that with our kids, everything changes. First thing, a grace-based dad gives his kids the freedom to be different. The freedom to be different. You say, now that sounds pretty safe. Let me give you some synonyms for different so you know exactly what I'm talking about. How about weird, bizarre, strange, goofy, quirky? Grace-based dads have room for those kind of kids. Fear-based dads do not. Performance-based dads do not. Autocratic, my way or the highway type dads do not. 
when we're, when we're overbearing, when we want kids to be an extension of our egos, this will not happen. We don't have room for weird, bizarre, strange, goofy, quirky kids, but God welcomes them. Look, it's just natural for us to think that the best way for somebody to live their life is the way we would live our life. The, the best way for someone to be hardwired is the way we're hardwired, but God is a God of variety, and he gives us all kinds of kids. And Our job as dads is to, is to, is to have room for those kids to be different. Now, I'm not saying that, that they're being, uh, doing anything sinful. I'm not saying, I'm just, they're, they're weird. They're bizarre. I mean, you have a little boy and you put him in the backyard to play. What'll he do? He'll do a headbutt right into a tree. And you think, what are you thinking? Well, he's a little boy. They do that. You have a little girl. They're always talking to themselves. They always have, uh, uh, invisible friends. They're you give them, you give them rocks. They'll make a family out of it. Kids are that way. We don't sit back and say, what the heck's wrong with you? That's just children. We celebrate them being different, weird. Suppose your son decided to come up with a new hairdo. And he went over to his friend's house and they got out this, this guy's, this mother's uh, uh, hair color. There's a little blue, a little green, a little pink, a little yellow, spiked it out. And he comes back and comes in, walks in the garage and shows you his new hairdo. What if you said something like this? I don't think Jesus would be very pleased with your hair. I, 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 I've actually heard parents come out with that when the hairstyles were all off the charts. I don't think Jesus would be very pleased with your hair. Isn't it interesting? When we're desperate, we, we pull in the, the biggest gun we can possibly come up with. Here's, here's reality. I've read the whole Bible many times through. I know what God has to say about hair in the Bible. He doesn't care. He says, it's your hair. Express yourself. Do what you want. It's your hair. And some of you might want to enjoy playing with it while you can because it's going to bail on you before it's over. Now, I'm not saying that you as a dad can't have arbitrary rules on things like how your kids dress or how they cut their hair or fix it. Of course you can. You're the dad. You're the parent. You can do that arbitrarily. But we just got to be careful making moral issues out of it or making biblical issues out of it. But our children often, their differences often come at us and, and, and they embarrass us. And so we want to make a moral issue out of it when they're just being different. They're just being a little weird, or they annoy us, and you say, you need to stop that, when they're just being kids. And, 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 and so kids need to know that they have the freedom to be, diff to be different there. They need to know that, that, that they're in a safe place to just play out their unique personality types and so forth. You see, everything changes when we let God's grace take over. And one of the great things is, Hey guys, I just want to jump in real quick here. Um, <laughs> truly the grace um, factor, you know, I, I think about how God loves me and it's really unconditional. And even when I mess up, I still know that God loves me. And one of the key things I believe that he's saying is that even when our kids mess up, we have to show them that grace, like that that grace that says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That grace right there, uh, you know, you can never undo your sonship, you know, your daughtership to me, you know, be, based on what you've done. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to abandon you. I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. Now, 
we have to set standards, right? But we have to give kids room, children room to grow, to experience. Uh, we have to, you know, bring them up in the admonition of the Lord and and let them know, you know, this is what God says. But we have to be rooted in our in the word ourselves. So we know what God says. Right. And 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 not just what we've heard. Right. But what we've experienced and what we know God to be for us. And if we just operate on what we know God to be for us, it, it I mean, hey, that'll revolutionize your your children right there. It's like, hey, God forgave me of all the stuff that I've done wrong, you know, and he loves me and he embraces me in spite of. If we just do that part, man, what 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 would the world be, right? What would families be if we could just accept that and, and then extend it to our children? Let's get back to the lesson. Is it, it, is it helps us dads allow our children the freedom to be different? Let me give you a second one. Grace-based dads give their kids the freedom to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Now, this is a, this is a huge word, man. Uh, guys, I, I, I would venture to say that very few of you are willing to risk being vulnerable. And, and that's why I love this 33 Project, because this is the one place where you can kind of get with some other men and actually start sharing what's on your heart. Well, we want to have, we, we as dads, we want to create a home where our kids don't have to wear masks all over themselves and hide. They can verbalize their doubts and their fears. Their vulnerabilities can come to the surface without fear of them being attacked. Someone has described childhood as a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year battle to keep from being embarrassed. Our kids are very self-conscious, and they do not need to be marginalized or trivialized or ignored when they're going there. They need a tender-hearted person that understands the fragile situation they're in and help them. See, our homes need to be a safe place for our kids to work through all the dangerous and fragile stuff of their life. And as dads, we need to be the ones that lead the way on that and make sure they're safe on that. I'll, I'll give you a, a, an example. I'm going to use this, uh, exaggerate something here. I don't think any of you men would ever be guilty of this, but let's say you had uh, some third grade kid, fourth grade kid, and he's moping around the house for his mood has changed radically in the past few days. And finally, he at dinner, he said, what's what's into you? And he says, oh, you know, I like this girl Susie at school. And and uh, but I told her on the playground and she pushed me down and made me look stupid in front of everybody and told me she liked some other guy. And I, I just man, that's just I didn't know how to handle it. It just really hurt a lot. Now, once again, none of you men would do this, but what if this father came back and said, you mean to tell me you've been moping around here holding this family hostage over some silly puppy love thing that doesn't even matter? You don't know anything about love. You don't know anything about dating. You can't even date till you're 16. Now, listen, you, you better po uh, cowboy up right now. We're not going to have this, this bad demeanor and sad demeanor over something as silly as this. If, if we ever respond to our kid like that, that kid would say something like this. Note to self, don't ever bury your heart around this man again. It's not safe. And we need to know that we can turn their vulnerabilities into strengths when we continue to voice love for them and show them affection and meaningful touch when they're going through these things. I, I have a friend that speaks a lot to young people. And he told me a story of a girl that she related this story to him. She had 
right in the middle of her teenage years, no guide giving her the time of day. She just felt like she was as plain and as, and as uh, uh, awkward and, and uh, repulsive as could be. And, and so she decided she was going to do something about it. And she decided, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show these guys that I have something to offer. And she talked to this one guy at school and she'd made a deal. She was going to rendezvous with him that, that Saturday night of that weekend and have sex with him. And she got, she, she went up to room and she was scared to death about this, but she was just so desperate to know that, uh, that, that, that she was acceptable. She was going out the, the door. Her dad was sitting there watching some TV and, and all. And he looked up at her. And he said, honey, I, you are so beautiful. You are so precious. You are such a beautiful young girl. I'll tell you, man, I, I just am so glad you're my daughter. And it changed everything. She turned around, went over and sat in his lap. And, and, and of course, she didn't make the rendezvous. All she was longing for is to know that when she was feeling so bad about herself that somebody believed in her. Men, we have a chance to really do something different in our kids' life when it comes to helping them uh, work through their vulnerabilities. And the way we go about it and what we say is, is critical. In fact, I think that this, this verse here, it, it really nails. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. Grace-based dads allow their children the freedom to be different and vulnerable. Let me give you a third one. A grace-based dad gives his kids the freedom to be candid. In other words, they need to be in an environment where they they have a respectful outlet for telling us what's on their heart, even if it's something we're not excited about hearing. It might be some doubts they're going about in their spiritual life or some 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 weird thinking and and, and all that they're 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 wrestling with. This is not a time to react. And and it might even be stuff they're having a problem with us. And, And they need to have an outlet to be able to come and talk about this and bring it out in the open in a safe way. And, and I get this straight from the heart of God. I said, he deals with us in grace and he, and he gives us the same outlet. In Hebrews chapter four, it, it, setting that verse up, it's, it's, it says, we don't have a high priest that doesn't understand what it's like to be in our skin. He was in all ways tempted like we are yet without sin. And he says, so let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But how we go about this is important. How we talk to our kids and how they talk to us is important. It says in Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And so in a grace-based home, we have to be able to talk about the difficult stuff in a gracious way, in a respectful way. You see, um, if we're just trying to control our kids, we deflate them. But when we keep them under control, everything changes. You see, we're not supposed to control our kids. Nobody wants to be controlled. We weren't designed to be controlled. God doesn't control us. He keeps us, he wants to keep us under control. And that's our job is to keep our kids under control and in the process empower them. And, and, and so we can, we have this option to give them an outlet to voice respectfully what's going on. Uh, look at this verse here. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no bitter root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it may many are defiled. A situation happened with our, our second child, a boy named Cody, great kid. He was in high school, and he had finished his homework. He was uh, going to bed, and he stopped by and said, oh, Dad, I forgot to mention, I need you to sign me out of school tomorrow at noon. 
I said, what, why? What's on? He said, well, the Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks is opening, opening season. And, and it's their opening game. And his friend, he said, my friend Steven's got tickets right behind the dugout. And he invited me to go. Now, you need to know something. The Arizona Diamondbacks had defeated the New York Yankees the year before in, in the World Series. So this is a big opening day. But for some stupid reason, I felt like I should teach my son uh, something about personal responsibility. I said, son, you're, you're, a, you're a student. You have to go to school. Uh, you, you have to be there at eight. You stay till three. He said, but dad, they're going to have a flyover of S-16s. Well, that's, that's great. But, you know, and I went back to my little lecture on personal responsibility. It's like you have a job, but we can't always take off just because something fun time. He says, dad, I think Randy Johnson's going to be in the mound. And I came back to my little lecture on personal responsibility. And he said, dad, I think Alice Cooper's going to sing the national anthem. And you could just see this poor kid is getting so exasperated, so frustrated. And then he got real quiet. He looked at me and said, Dad, listen, I bring you home straight A's. All I've ever brought you home are straight A's. I can't bring you home any better grades than I'm bringing you. Now, you need to decide whether I can go to that game. And it was like a big hand came right down out of the clouds and did one of these right in the top of my head. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Sign this boy out. And here's what's really ironic. Those straight A's aren't, weren't from his dad's side of the gene pool. Those were from his mother's. I struggled in school. I worked hard for my grades. And I felt you should have vowels and consonants on your report card. So when I bring it to this, they look, this one, I'm fine to word things. I see three. Uh, can, you, how many, can you sign the bottom? I mean, this is ridiculous. And here's what's even more ridiculous. I would have never come to my father and asked him to sign me. I'd have played hooky. He was showing respect to me. I took two large bills out of my pocket and I handed them to him. I said, Cody, make sure you buy the big hot dogs and the big drinks for you and Stephen. And Cody, please forgive me. Please forgive me for being such an idiot. You know, as we get older, the memories of youth fade. They just do. And this is an incident that could well fade from my son's memory. But if I'd have stuck to my guns and refused to sign him out, I guarantee you to the day he died, he would never forget what a bonehead he had for a father. Listen, we get it wrong sometimes. They have to have an outlet to talk with us about it. Now, I said they have to do it respectfully. The best way to make sure that they speak respectfully to us when they're voicing their frustration or disappointment with us is we speak respectfully to them when we're voicing our frustrations or disappointments with them. It changes everything. Listen, grace-based dads give their kids the freedom to be different vulnerable, candid. One more thing. Grace-based dads give his kids the freedom to make mistakes, to make mistakes. Chuck Swindoll said, home is where life is making up its mind. And if that's true, then it must be a place where disappointments are tolerated, hurts are endured, and mistakes never mean the end of a relationship. I love what it says here in, 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 in a word. It says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. So you need to know that by giving our kids the freedom to make mistakes and struggle doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. Discipline and correction and boundaries are all forms of grace. But our kids are going to struggle. They were born with a broken broken heart and, and a broken life. And, and, and we have 18 years to, to really embed, but they're going to struggle. It's not a time to react or to shame or to mock or to ridicule or to distance ourselves. They, they need to work with them through this stuff when they make mistakes. Now, where did I get these four things from? I got them from how Jesus deals with you and me. He gives us the freedom to be different, vulnerable, candid, and the freedom to make mistakes. It changes everything.
let me um, close with this quick little story. Uh, and, and it's just to remind you that the window of opportunity to touch your kid's life with grace is not open very long. And I, I was reminded of this one Saturday morning when just before dawn, it was still dark outside, my daughter Shiloh, she was about, oh, five years old at the time. She came in and shook me awake. And, and I, tur I turned over and looked and said, Dad, Dad, it's time to get up and go on our date. I'd promised her the night before I'd take her out on a breakfast date. And she'd gotten up, got ready. But I looked at the clock and said, honey, it's still dark outside. She said, but Dad, I did my hair for you. I, did, I picked this outfit out for you. It was so cute. And, and I knew where she wanted to go was open because it was a convenience store called Circle K. They're all over Arizona. They're open every day, including Christmas, 24 hours. And so I had no problem. This, this is going to be fun. Let's get up. So we got up and we got there right about dawn. And we went in and she picked out some donuts and some juice. I got a cup of coffee, paid for everything. And we went out and we sat on the curb on the side of the Circle K, the, the convenience store, to have our date. There's that sun was just starting to peak up. And we we're right next to a dumpster, but we're over here. We're safe. We're fine. Everything's nice and clean. And I'm letting her set the agenda. And she wanted to talk about the Sleeping Beauty video we'd gotten for her. And she had been watching this thing over and over again. And she was just jabbing her way about Sleeping Beauty. And I was listening. And I, and I asked this question, what's your favorite part? I said, Dad, I love the part at the end when the handsome prince and Sleeping Beauty dance together in a castle. I thought, well, that's my favorite part because I'd watched it with her. And I don't know what provoked me. I decided, to, let's reenact it. I put everything back in the bags and lids on everything. And I picked Shiloh up there and I started waltzing around with her singing. I know you. I waltzed with you once upon a dream. We're coming around. And as I came around, there was a field right behind her and some brand new homes. And I could look right over and there was a man sitting in his breakfast table, uh, his kitchen table. And he was looking out at me and I was looking over at him and, and I thought, hey, I can just see him. He's calling his wife right now. Quick, 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 come here, look. There's an idiot over to Circle K, dancing with a little girl next to a dumpster. But another thought crossed my mind. Then in a very brief period of time, some young man was going to come along and tap me on the shoulder and say, Mr. Kimmel, may I cut in? And waltz her out of my life for good. It turned out his name was Ian. <laughs> and it just seemed to go through by so fast. I'm telling you, men, they're just not there long. And I know that when it comes to parenting, the days seem long, but the years are short. And so we have a chance to do something incredible during that time, create an atmosphere of grace and touch their hearts with grace by keeping our hearts connected to the God of grace. Well, Tim, that was awesome, man. Incredible stuff. I, I want to know from you, like a guy just hearing that, just watching that and thinking, man, I didn't grow up in anything like that. Yeah. How in the world can I create that? Because I want that. Like, what, what would you tell him? Well, uh, not having a good role models of a lot of men's problems out there. And, um, but here's the good news. Even if you came from your family of origin, didn't show you how to do this, you have somebody that, that can and will. His name is Jesus. I was listening to this guy being interviewed on radio one time, and he outlined, unpacked three things about Jesus that makes him the perfect role model for us men. He was tender to children. Think about this. He was respectful of women. He was a friend of other men. And he was fearless in the face of evil and hypocritical people. And, and he was obedient to God. You do all that. You know, you'll be able to pull, pull the heavy water for being a good dad. But that brings us back to the point we made there, is that it, it's all between that, that man, you individual men, and the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is all pre-digested stuff. We've all thought this thing through. And this is great. The 33 Project helps you get there. But you need to get in the Bible yourself. You need to be in prayer with yourself. You need to walk with him yourself. And he will come in around you and give you all you need 
to raise some great kids. Yeah, I, I love what you said about this uh, environment of grace. It, you know, it creates an environment where there's the freedom to uh, be different, the freedom to be vulnerable. Uh, but, you know, Jesus is our model. We know he's not just all about grace. Uh, the Bible says, you know, that, that grace and truth came in Jesus. So guys hear grace, but they said, man, what about truth? How do you integrate the two? Well, you're using that, uh, you're going to that verse, John 1, 14, he was filled with grace and truth. And, and, and when I look at that, I say, what were the percentages on that? The 50, 50, 25, 75, did it shift based on the circumstances? And we all know the answer. It was a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He was all grace and truth. And see, I don't believe you can be a grace-based dad and not have the truth there. You can't be. Now, I believe you can be standing for the truth and not have grace. It happens all the time. It's called legalism and performance-based parenting. But 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 we need to we need to let his grace run through us and 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 and, and yet keep the truth right where it, where it's supposed to be. Think about this. Jesus is dealing with us in grace. Did he throw the rule book overboard? No. Are, are, are they, did he say oh, there's no more consequences anymore? No more. But no, they're all right where they were, except it's all done in an atmosphere of grace. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, in that context, what does discipline look like? Mm -hmm. How does a father discipline well? when he's still trying to allow them freedom to fail, and at the same time still trying to make sure it's an atmosphere filled with grace. Well, when, when we start out with a presupposition that discipline and correction is a high form of grace, the Bible says, them whom God loves, he disciplines. So, so uh, uh, discipline and grace are not two different things. They are part of the same thing. But I would just run off these four things to, to remind them that, that don't be surprised or shocked that your kids sin. You gave birth to sinners. That's what they do. Our job is to catch them and then have the right response. To them. Secondly, don't take it personally, even though it's hard not to, because I mean, they lied right to your face or they, they insulted you. You don't take it personally um, uh, be, because they're, they're real battles with God. And your job is to help them through that. And then you can't be passive. We've got to step into this regardless of how, uh, how di difficult it is. And, and, and then when we do discipline them, we've always got to keep that bigger picture in mind that this isn't about just getting even and revenge or showing them who's boss. We want to use this to help them turn them into a man, uh, a woman someday that, that walks with God. So one of the things that we have learned for us as men to really help us follow through is to have some strategic moves mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, come up with an action plan. And so are there some little things, maybe even some daily things that we can do as men to help us create an environment of grace? Well, I'll tell you, for any man out there, it, there's there's if there's two, these are the only two things you ever did. You're going to be light years ahead of the average dad. And that is do your best to try and capture the first few moments of their day in the last few moments of their day. Uh, with, with meaningful communication. So, you know, when they get up in the morning, you're not yelling and haranguing them, you know, that you're, you're welcoming into the day. It's a blessing. You're, you know, th this is going to be a great day. And even if it's a tough day, you're a great kid. You're going to get through it. But the bedtime is huge because the guys might be off to work before the kids get up at bedtime. Make it a ritual to go by each kid's room, even when they're seniors in high school and you, you and you listen to them and you pray over them and you, you hug them and kiss them goodnight. When, when, when a kid's daily hours are bracketed by a dad who was there for them and, and, and communicating his love and his devotion to them, it's amazing how they can take all the junk in between a whole lot better. That's great, Tim. Mm -hmm. Guys, what we've heard today can be transformational for us as dads. Hopefully, you're already thinking about 
how grace can play a bigger part in your fatherhood. In the next session, Tim is going to join us again to talk about how to raise kids for true greatness. Our world often defines greatness by the amount of money, power, or beauty we possess, external things. And if we don't give our kids an alternative, if we don't show them what true greatness looks like, they'll be tempted to chase after the world's definition of success. Dr. Kimmel is going to offer us some insights and wisdom that will help us to raise kids of true greatness. What does it mean to raise our kids for success? How do we even determine what success is? Most parents have a tendency to aim their children at a future focused on success. You drank the Kool-Aid of this world and think that real significance is wrapped up in status and money and influence. They need to see a father who has a humble heart, a grateful heart, a generous heart, and a servant's heart. This changes everything. Wow, praise, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Um, we see that God has uh, entrusted us with some gifts and that they are children. And if you don't have children, you know, um, definitely God is, is um, going to position you, I believe, um, so that you can be either help somebody with children or be there for children that don't have parents. And, and so um, this is what it's all about, you know, helping somebody else, helping somebody else grow, getting valuable information and passing it on. And so, you know, I, 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 I came across this series. Um, like I said, it was made, it was actually early part of last year. And um, I was doing it in prison. I do prison ministry and um, it, it just touched my heart. So to see the information that was given and how that, you know, this just touches at the core of your being. And if you would take it serious and apply it to your life, the, the principles that how transformational it could be. And then once you transform, you can transform your household, you can transform your, your community, you can transform your city, you can transform the world. And that's what it's all about, you know, taking that one step and say, you know what, I need to be different. I need to forgive my dad. I need to forgive my mom. I need to forgive society for letting me down. I need to trust God with my life, right? And and then go on. Let's get growing, man. Let's let's grow in God's grace that he has for us. Let us just take the bull by the horn and say, you know what? I'm not leaving it up for nobody else to make a difference in my children's lives and my family lives. Uh, I have to be the one. I have to be the catalyst. I have to be. And then, you know, I know some of 
us may be like, well, I didn't messed up so bad, you know, how do I recover from that? It's grace. It's grace. You know, God, we messed up so bad, you know, and, and God just says, you know what? I love you. I love you. And I demonstrated my love by dying for you. And so we have to die to our pride, right? Where we messed up, where we made mistakes. And we got to say, you know what? I did that, you know, and I, and I'm owning up to my responsibility for what I've done. But you know what? I want to start again. If you would give me the opportunity to start again, I, I want to be the best dad I can be. I don't care if you're in your 40s. I don't care if you're in your, your 30s, if you're, you're still a teenager or whatever. Wherever I am in your life and I'm still your father, please forgive me and let me start over. Let me let me correct some of the wrong. And I, I still may make mistakes and I am going to make mistakes. But I want I want to know who you are as my child. And I, I want to be there for you like I haven't been ever before. And I want to show you the love that God has shown me. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And so um, you don't have to do it by, by yourself. I, I created this platform um, by God's grace and. I'm, I'm willing to walk through it and I'm, I'm willing to bring other men in to walk through it. See, my my vision when I first set off with this was that men will join this group and be inspired and then go out and do it for some other men, <laughs> you know, and then just, you know, it's constantly this information is getting out and, and, and being shared and, 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 and kids lives are being affected and family lives are being affected and, 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 you know, just the world will be a better place. And so we all, we all have to do our part, you know, and this is just my little part, um, that I've committed to do. And, um, I thank God for the grace to do it. I thank him for the love to do it. I thank him for the compassion to do it um, and the commitment that he gives, you know. Um, so I'm encouraging you to take the bull by the horn, you know, trust God with your life and then, you know, be evangelistic and, and allow God to use you in whatever. If it's just pressing that share button, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to share this. I'm going to I'm going to share this with somebody. And, and, and that's, and that's, you know, if that's your part, do your part, you know? Um, so God is so gracious. God is so kind. He's so loving. And I'm just excited just to be a part of his team. I'm uh, be a part of his agenda, right. To, to make the world a better place. And, and so, um, that's what it's all about, you know, taking one life at a time and allowing God to just really, uh, shine through you, shine through you and say, you know what? I got here because someone shared this information with me. They cared enough to press that share. And, you know, I'm not that type of person that I try to, you know, um, condemn you to do something. I'm not that. I, I hate that, you know, uh, but I'm a, I am an inspirer. 
I try to inspire people to do stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, I try to get you motivated. And because that's what God has done for me. He's got me motivated to do something. Don't just complain and complain. Well, nobody is. And then uh, I wasn't it. Don't do that. Do something constructive. Do something great. Be a difference. And I'm going to leave you with this. Um, when I was in uh, fourth grade growing up in this South side of Chicago, um, I had a teacher that her name was Miss Harper. And uh, Miss Harper one day said um, we were doing, it was actually Black History Month. And she, we were talking about Martin Luther King and, um, Mar and how he made a impact on the world by just being who he was. Um, and she said, she pointed to me, I don't know if she pointed to anybody else and she probably did in the class, but she pointed to me and said, you can make a difference. And I remember what I was nine years old. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I can make a difference. I can make a difference. I can be like Martin Luther King you know, and, and make a difference. And, and, and so that has inspired me. It has stayed with me. I, I'm turning 51 on tomorrow and I was nine when she said it. So you, you see what I'm saying? As a child, what people say to you can make a difference in your life and it can stay, it can stay with you for a long time. I never forgot her name. I can, kind of picture how she looks, you know, um, and, and things of that nature. But just that one moment in time has made an impact in my life. And I, I thank God for it. And so be that catalyst, be that, be, be that evangelist, um, and, and spark something in, in a child's life and in your family life, um, in somebody's life that will last for a lifetime. This is just Antoine, with Let's Get Growing, man. I'll see you at the top. Bye for now.